Well, on Saturday, 14th of October, the same day that we go to the polls for our general election, Australians will have their say in a referendum about whether to change the constitution to recognise the First Peoples of Australia by establishing a body called the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Voice. Uh, this is what voters will be asked. They'll be asked to vote yes or no on a single question. The question will be, a proposed law to alter the constitution to recognise the First Peoples of Australia by establishing an Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander voice, do you approve this proposed alteration? Uh, John Anderson, ex-Deputy Prime Minister under the Howard Government and a guest speaker at our uh, conference back in the end of June, is campaigning strongly for a no vote. And we thought we would catch up with him and ask him why is he campaigning for that no vote? Joining me is ex-Deputy Prime Minister John Anderson. John, always good to catch up with you. I know you're very busy uh, campaigning regarding The Voice. Look, can I ask you a bit of a curly question to start with? And that is, I know you're campaigning for a no vote, but what would you say would be the strongest argument for The Voice? Well, the biggest reason or the main reason that people give uh, for voting yes in the surveys is that the Indigenous people have asked for this. Uh, and then the second reason given is nothing else has worked. Uh, I am not particularly convinced by either argument. Uh, we certainly need to recognise that there is a substantial pool of Indigenous people who are not doing well at all. That is true. Uh, it is also true that they have had massive representation, including in the parliament. Uh, the Indigenous people are overrepresented in the federal parliament, and by and large, I have to say, uh, some of them in particular are absolutely wonderful representatives. They're terrific, but, you know, that is the right place for a voice, in my view. The other thing that needs to be recognised is that there are two aspects to the referendum. One is recognition in the constitution. Everybody and myself included, says if you can find a way to do it, recognise their status as, you know, the, the original occupiers of this landmass, that's fine. That's good. I support that. Uh, the problem with it is that attached to it is the idea of a voice, capital V, unusual term, but it would be a representative panel, uh, although we don't know how they'd be selected, who would give one voice, and I don't know how that would work because there's at least 300 individual nations in Australia and many, many communities who both the parliament and the executive. Now, the executive, of course, is around 160 or made up of 160 different entities. Hmm. Uh, and then because it's locked in the constitution, um, their right to give advice and the responsibility of those entities to to ask for that advice, if you like, and to accept advice, not necessarily to act on it, but to accept it uh, would be enormous and open the way, I think, for a great deal of conflict. I uh, saw some of your commentary where you were saying, look for the Indigenous people, the Aborigine, and similar statistics out of New Zealand for Māori is that, unfortunately, broken families, fatherlessness, and... Uh, long-term generational welfare dependency is one of their greatest challenges. Now, is the argument that the voice would somehow draw attention to that, and is that a correct claim? 
Well, uh, it, it, it is certainly a very serious problem. And we do know now the debate's really highlighted how it's a particular problem in the remote areas where it's so difficult to uh, ensure law and order and to deliver educational, housing, health services. But the leading uh, Indigenous uh, anthropologist in this country, a man called Peter Sutton, a very fine man, has written an incredible book. It's now 11 years old, I think, called The Politics of Suffering. And he points out that the dividing line, the shorthand version of uh, much of his argument, between kids who make it and kids who don't has nothing to do with skin colour. It has to do with family and community. And one of the reasons that I'm opposed to The Voice is that I see it as a progressive person's model. It's the very model of progressivism. It studiously ignores the real need for a conversation around ensuring that newborn babies and their mothers can grow up in an environment where they can develop emotionally uh, and intellectually, and for that matter, physically, in an appropriate way. When advocates for change start to address that fundamental issue, it's so fundamental that we need to recognise if you break a child during that those first three years, we know this, but we don't want to talk about it because it offends the civil libertarians who say family structures don't matter. Um, if, you know, you can't access the other good things even if they're there. You can't function well enough to be able to get a proper education. Um, you know, to to then go into the job market and to access housing and all of those sorts of things. And and that, to be honest, it makes me very angry that we won't talk about it. It doesn't suit the zeitgeist, so we won't talk about it. Yeah. So rather than a voice, as they argue is the answer, what do you think is the answer to some of the deprivation and the disadvantage that Aborigine people are facing in Australia? Well, listen to the voices that they have. What are the voices in the parliament doing? As I said, some of them are outstanding, mm. uh, but they really need to. And just enter Price, you know, who's a very courageous lady here. Yeah. Uh, and has really now revealed herself to be, uh, you know, an outstanding advocate for her people. She has lived experience. And by the way, I find it unbelievable that people in the leafy suburbs of this nation think that it's all right to culturally appropriate her knowledge. She's had lived experience. She knows and understands these issues. And yet apparently it's all right to sort of, uh, as one cartoonist had it over the weekend, imply that she's a white supremacist. I mean, it's unbelievable stuff. We ought to listen to her. Uh, I think there are real issues with the very remote communities. I've been to some of them. They can't get their children out of there quickly enough uh, when they when there are functional families to get them an education somewhere else because they themselves will say there's no future here. Mm. But in the name of, you know, um, cultural, uh, keeping the whole thing alive culturally, I understand why people think that's important. Uh, up to a point, if it's going to affect that, your ability to function properly in a wonderful country like Australia and to have a rich and fulfilling life with employment, with access to proper health care, with the opportunity to have a family and raise it in a secure environment, then the tough questions have to be asked because that is a big part of the component in a huge landmass like Australia. Mm. I've been to some of those really remote communities and, and I don't pretend that's going to be easy. But the key is to say, You've got a multiplicity of voices, hundreds of them, with vast resourcing already. 
and you've got representatives in parliament, 11 of them, well, that's a better way to go than one single voice trying to speak for all these people for a start, because just like the rest of Australia, they don't have a uniform view on anything. That's democracy. That's why we have parliaments. And our constitution is a dry and dusty document, which is not meant to raise anybody above its state, uh, provisions or below it. That's the whole point. We're all equal. It doesn't matter where you live, how wealthy you are, the colour of your skin. The constitution is, in theory, completely blind to all those issues. And one of the major advocates for yes, Noel Pearson, himself, about 11 or 12 years ago, said that any references in the constitution affect our relationships in subtle and unsubtle ways and that uh, race shouldn't matter. Mm. He's free to change his mind, but I'll make two points. The first is, uh, I think he was right then and I think he's still right. Uh, and I think the second point is, um, if he held his view that the back then, was he a racist? Now, if you hold that view, mm. you're in, un under suspicion of being a racist. Mm. Yeah, I heard uh, Jacinda Price uh, speak at a conference in March where you were speaking also, uh, and then just, uh, and she was impressive, uh, and just two weeks ago we shared the speaking platform at a conference, and one thing that I picked up is that uh, part of the reason the yes vote is decreasing and the no vote is increasing uh, and looking likely to win is that there's so much uncertainty, There's it, it's not set in stone as to exactly what this will be, it seems to be an unelected group that may be given more power than people want to give it. Would that be a fair summation? Well, it's an unknown, you see, it'll be locked in the constitution. We've had in Australia several voices since the 1970s. Uh, they haven't had a capital V in front of them, but that's what they've been. Mm. The last one was the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Commission, ATSIC. It was wound up with the agreement of both sides of parliament because it was an abysmal failure. Uh, there was no closing of the gap to use a modern expression, and its leadership uh, was no longer trusted, shall I put it that way, by anyone, including Indigenous people. It was wound up. This one, you won't be able to wind it up. It'll be in the Constitution. Now, if the objective is to close the gap, which we all want to do, and which we now, if nothing else out of this referendum process, there should be a renewed commitment to closing that gap and getting realistic about some of the really tough arguments, like what to do in the really remote communities. Uh, if we're committed to closing the gap, if we're committed to being one nation, mm. one people, why would you lock in a significant additional group privilege, if you like, in the constitution in perpetuity? It tells you really the objective of many people must be to keep the grievance industry going. I am mm. absolutely opposed to that. And here's the really interesting thing. The greatest block of people or reason uh, given for taking a position on this is on the no camp and it is people saying no because it will divide us yeah. and, and and if you want to scratch me emotionally that's where I'm at I, I I'm instinctively a herder I want people to come together I want us to find ways to communicate I want us to be one heaven forbid Australia faces a hostile enough world now yeah. without dividing amongst uh, you know, I don't see how division strengthens us. I believe the old saying's right. Division weakens us, not strengthens us. Yeah, it's interesting that uh, your um, referendum is happening on the same day as our general election um, in just under four weeks. And 
in some ways our general election is a bit of a referendum on a similar topic because there's a lot of debate around uh, a document called Hapuapua, which led to uh, argument for co-governance, interpretation of the Treaty of Waitangi, Three Waters. Uh, and it seems that on for both Australia and New Zealand, it's around this introduction of this new thinking around critical theory, around there is always oppressed and there are oppressors. And the solution always seems to be, as you've just alluded to, it, it creates division rather than unity. It, it doesn't bring nations together. It actually creates division and race, racial division uh, based on haves and have-nots. Is that kind of the objection to what's happening in Australia at the moment? Well, the high watermark of, uh, of what we call identity politics is undoubtedly uh, uh, critical theory and critical race theory in particular, uh, critical gender theory, critical queer theory, critical fat theory, it goes on and on and on. But this stuff should have taken hold in universities, tells you that intelligence and wisdom are seldom acquainted. But it's flowed out onto the streets and out into you know, the entertainment industry, the media, the politics, uh, uh, the work business. I mean, it's unbelievable how this stuff's taken hold. And as Stephen Pinker, you know, uh, the, the great uh, American uh, positive thinker guy says, uh, you know, you, you, you couldn't make this stuff up, but it has taken hold. And here's the point. The more you focus on division, the more you focus on anything, the more of it you'll have. So the more you focus as critical theory does on what divides us, and in this case, the color of skin, the more division you will have. And we have in 50 years completely flipped what Martin Luther said should be the objective. And what Noel Pearson in this country was saying only 10 or 12 years ago, color of skin should be irrelevant. It's content of character. And recognize our shared humanity. Uh, this is this idea that's emerged now. We teach our kids that life is a battle between good people and bad people, not that we're all flawed and we all have strengths. So let's focus on minimizing the weaknesses and maximizing the strengths on an individual basis, not a race basis yep. or a difference basis. Um, you know, the whole driftage is breaking us up rather than pulling us together. So I have to say that in a way, I agree with Greg Sheridan, a senior writer in Australia, who said yeah. that uh, defeating the voice would be a massive blow to identity politics. Voting it in will be the triumph of identity politics. I don't believe in identity politics and I don't believe in resolving differences by trying to legislate answers. I'm so old. Yeah, I think that's uh, the UK commentator. You would be a better way. Sorry. Yeah, no, sorry. Just cut out uh, just as you were speaking there. But I think it was the UK commentator, Melanie Phillips, who says we're no longer based on the content of our character, but on the color of our white skin. Uh, I thought that was a very yeah. good adaptation. Um, John, why, why is it losing support? Why is the no vote increasing? What do you think uh, is causing the plummet in the yes vote? Uh, well, the biggest single reason given is that uh, by, by in the polling, it shows up very clearly, uh, it, it's a belief that it will uh, divide us rather than pull us together. And that's based on the fact that, you know, the government and even, uh, frankly, the ABC now says the Uluru statement on which all of this is based is just one page. Mm. The fact is that it's writers, no less, have been telling us it's many pages long. And when you delve into it, <laughs> whether it's one page or not, the fact is, you know, I've been in politics, I was in it for a long time. This is a political movement. 
and it is a political movement towards separatism, towards co-governance, towards somehow or other establishing two sets of sovereignty. And you, you know, the, one of the things that people miss, the Treaty of Waitangi was very different indeed to the situation that was faced in Australia because, um, well, firstly, no one had a written language in the early days. I mean, the people on the south side of the harbour in Sydney couldn't communicate with the people on the north side because they had different languages. But secondly, there was something of, of the order of three to 500 nation groups. Aboriginality is a race, not a nation. And uh, I don't know how a nation does, you know, several hundred treaties with several hundred other nations, supposedly remaining as one as a, as a people, uh, as Australians. I don't know how you do it. Uh, just, just very quickly, um, I'm, and I'm uh, guessing here simply on our experience of the media during um, cannabis euthanasia referendums, uh, abortion debates, I'm assuming that your media is strongly pushing for the yes vote? Well, let me just say, particularly in relation to our publicly funded broadcaster, I shouldn't know its position on anything, but I think I know its position on everything. <laughs> and there's no doubt on this one. And that applies to a lot of the rest of me here. Yeah. And I'm going to be really blunt here too and say that uh, the leafy suburbs have signs, yes, everywhere. And we're told, well, if you're highly educated and you're well to do, mm. well off, uh, you'll be voting yes. And the dumbos out there on the coalface who are voting no. Well, hang on. What about a lived experience? What about a little bit of understanding what happens in local communities? You know, what about a bit of recognition, as Jacinta Price says, and as Noel Pearson used to say, mm. that, um, uh, that if you like, uh, the approaches we've been adopting have denied Aboriginal people agency uh, and made the problems worse. And the reason you're seeing such a difference between regional Australia and the leafy suburbs, I don't know, that probably makes sense in New Zealand yeah. no, uh, as well. The reason you're seeing a difference has to do with what people actually experience and see. Mm. And I have grown up with Aboriginal people. My, my family's lives have been intertwined with Aboriginal people since the 1820s. And I have Indigenous friends, um, uh, and uh, some are for it and some are against it. The idea they're all for it is nonsense. They are simply not. Yeah. I met a very highly educated Indigenous man the other day of very high intellect, the very sort of person that the pollsters want to say, oh, well, he's you know, well-educated and has a, a good income. He would therefore be for the voice. He said, I do not want to be singled out. He said, bad things have happened, but I now have a profession. I have a small business and my family and I do not want to be singled out. Well, what about those people? Yeah. Uh, John, His words, not mine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> John, um, look, there'll be Australians in New Zealand who will have a vote and uh, there'll be some Australians who are watching uh, McBlog. Um, we're in the lift. We've got 30 seconds to the ground floor. Why should they vote no? Uh, because I genuinely believe, A, it will divide us. Uh, B, uh, it will be the beginning of a disruptive campaign uh, which centres on treaties, on co-governance, on reparations, and that will be hard and difficult and it will create more division and that I think will actually be counterproductive. I think it will lead to deeper resentment uh, of um, it, it, it actually will bring out some of our worst instincts because people will become frustrated. Yeah.
Well done, John. Always nice catching up with you and uh, all the best. We'll watch this uh, result with interest and I'm sure you'll be watching our uh, general election with interest as well. Uh, and Very great interest and I'll, I'll try and understand it, Bob. Yeah, we'll, sure try and, we'll, we'll catch up afterwards and interpret both sides of the uh, Tasman. <laughs> uh, and all the best with the rugby as well. Or well, maybe I shouldn't mention that. I don't know if we can talk. Okay, John, thanks for your time. Okay. I'll remain quiet about the All Blacks.